This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, there's a direct correlation. Loving God should produce love toward others. It's it's kind of an oxymoron that we would love God and not love others. So we have to ask ourselves, uh, what are we showing in our lives? And is it an indication of where we are in our relationship with God? That could just be a check for, for us doing this broadcast. Uh, this could be a check for those who are listening. If this is if, if, if I don't have the fruit of the Spirit coming out, there are probably not many people seeing God's love coming out of us. Welcome to the Activate Podcast, a ministry of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon, and in this episode, I'll be having a conversation with my good friend, Pastor Ryan Holt. Pastor Ryan is our pastor of connections at Journey, whose primary responsibility is to simply help people get connected. And Pastor Ryan had the incredible opportunity to share Sunday's message with us. So I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. This summer, we've been traveling with Jesus through the countryside of Israel as he shares stories with us that have significant spiritual meaning. We learned from the gospel writers that Jesus often taught using stories called parables. Parables were just simply earthly stories with a deep spiritual meaning. And this week, we're going to look closer at arguably probably the most famous parable of all of them, the parable of the Good Samaritan. So, Pastor Ryan, welcome back to the podcast, bud. Hey, it's good to be back. And welcome back to Journey. I feel like I have to say that because I haven't seen you in so long. You've been away for a few months, or a few months, a few weeks. It feels like months. But, uh, Pastor Ryan, you're you're fresh off of your sabbatical. Would you uh, take just a moment and share some of the exciting things you were able to do, um, what you what you learned while you were away, maybe how you're feeling now. Yeah, you know, we were really blessed uh, by the church to, to take a four-week sabbatical. Uh, I've been on staff now for eight years, and uh, so my wife and I decided we'd uh, pour into our kids. We've got a, uh, a daughter who's going to be a senior, so we really wanted to take uh, this time and, and pour into our kids. And so... Uh, with her time being short and just the busyness of life, we thought let's really let's really pour into our kids. So we decided to hang out together as much as we could. We traveled to the Rockies in Colorado. I love uh, heading up into into the mountains. Uh, and then we went to Table Rock Lake and enjoyed the lake. And man, we made some great memories together. Uh, but I'm feeling refreshed. Uh, my word for the year was renew. Uh, and this was a time away and gave me a great chance to renew God's purpose in my life. Uh, I'm a I'm a fast-paced person and always on the go. So this this trip caused me to slow down and regroup and having time off and not as many things to do hoped uh, you know caused me to to slow down a little bit. And I really I really hope to carry some of that uh, over some of that slowing down, taking more in, uh, having more patience, uh, trusting God's leading and and guidance for every area of our lives are some of the things I really resonated on while I was gone. And, you know, those are just a few of the things that really uh, spoke to my heart while I was off. And, man, I'm really thankful for it. It was great. I've been in ministry 15 years now, so it was refreshing. Yeah. Well, Pastor Ryan, I, I may be speaking for all of us. We're grateful you're back. And uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, about three weeks into it, we're like, I hope he returns. Things are things are just not the same. So um, we're we're so grateful you are refreshed, but we're grateful you're back. So it's good to be back. Your message for Sunday was on the parable of the Good Samaritan. I've often thought that this 
this title that a lot of our Bibles put on this parable is is a gross understatement. I think it should be called the parable of the great Samaritan. Uh, this parable would have just simply shocked the early first century listeners, primarily a Jewish audience, mostly because it was about their hated enemy, uh, the hated enemy of the Jews, which were, were the Samaritans. Can you unpack for the podcast listeners today historically why the Samaritans and the Jews just didn't get along, which will help us understand why this story would have been so shocking for the first century listeners. Yeah, so this is much of what I didn't have time to unpack in the message. And so, you know, put your learning hat on for a moment, um, because there's a lot of history, but I'll, I'll try to condense it, you know, just a couple of uh, uh, couple of minutes. You know, after the time that Solomon had reigned in Israel, the kingdom split into the north and the south. And there was uh, a lot of conflicts between the two, uh, and that t- became a, a time where they were really divided. In fact, you know, fought against each other at different times. Uh, but they also worshipped differently. They would um, the new king in the north, Jeroboam, introduced idol worship, and uh, he also had a different place to worship. He didn't want his people heading down to the south and maybe moving alliances. So uh, there was a lot of tension. Uh, but many years later, in 722 B.C., the Assyrians conquered the northern uh, kingdom of Israel, and they carried most of the northern <clears throat> excuse me carried most of the the northern ten tribes away into captivity in, in Assyria. And the king of Assyria then decided to kind of further conquer the people, to send his own people, some Assyrians, to inhabit that area of Samaria, that northern area. And these foreigners intermarried with the Israelite population that was still in and around Samaria. So these Samaritans at first worshipped the idols of their own nations, right? Those who had come down from Assyria brought false gods, and they they, they were idol-worshipping, but... Uh, the Bible says they uh, were troubled by lions, and they supposed it was because they hadn't honored God of the, in that territory. So uh, the king of Assyria actually sent, it's interesting, sent a Jewish priest who he had taken captive back down there to uh, basically instruct them in the Jewish religion. Um, and so they were instructed from the book of Moses, uh, but still, uh, from the books of Moses, I should say, but still retained many of their idolatrous, uh, idolatrous customs. So it's, uh, what, what upset the Jews so much is that they were combining the right worship of God with idol worship. And so there was this real strain. The Samaritans embraced this mixture of Judaism and idolatry. And because of that, they just had this long history of fighting and battling, and they just deeply despised each other. The Samaritans became hated because they were idolatrous. And there was a, there was more animosity. The Jews, after uh, they had been uh, actually taken off to captivity, the southern kingdom, when they were taken into Babylon, and when they had come back and began to rebuild, those Samaritans were causing them a lot of problems. So there was some more tension that had happened. Um, so what's interesting is these were the things that had caused these irreconcilable differences. But in spite of that, in spite of the hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans, Jesus broke down the barriers between them, preaching the gospel to the Samaritans. We see in John chapter 4, 
And then the apostles later followed his example that we see in Acts chapter 8. And so what's, what, what, what makes it tough, this, this dissension, this difficulty between them, it was shocking to them that Jesus would talk about a Samaritan being the good Samaritan. Uh, that, that was what was so shocking to them. They had this hundreds of years of history of hating each other. And it would have been difficult for this audience to hear this hear this story, but within the story was a very deep uh, spiritual truth that Jesus desperately wanted them to hear. So let's unpack that a little bit more. In your message, you outlined four parable parallels. Interestingly, when it comes to caring for others who are in need, showing mercy, uh, we could potentially find ourselves in one of four categories that you outlined Um, The first category is a person who knows what to do, even may feel bad about another individual, but fails to act upon it. The second is a person who fails to act because they think it would be below them. It's uh, the third is a person who fails to act because they don't think it's their responsibility. It's not my job. Um, And then the third one or the fourth one is a person who sees the need and then responds accordingly. So with these four categories in mind, uh, I I think the reality is this this world would be a different place if every Christian cared for one uh, another like the Samaritan cared for the Jewish man along the side of the road. So from your experience, Pastor Ryan, what is preventing Christians from showing mercy and compassion like the Samaritan. You know, unfortunately, I think we're living in a very distracted time. You know, Pastor Christian spoke a message uh, a little over a year ago, no distractions, right? These were all these things that were keeping us from spending time uh, with God. And we, we barely take time or, or make time for God, and for or even our own families. You know, so many people rarely even, because they barely have time for God, they barely have time for their own families. I think they rarely even think about taking time for others. Um, you know, I, I don't have time to help uh, someone else. You know, we're also really overscheduled with all kinds of activities, sports, school, lessons, clubs, outings, play dates. You know, sadly, I think we also entertain ourselves too much. Let's face it, we get up on a Saturday and think, okay, what are we going to do to have fun today? You know, what what's our outing for the day? Um, much of our money uh, and our time is spent on doing fun things so we're not bored or so we can tell people we did something exciting this weekend. Uh, nothing wrong with those things. Those things are not, you know, sinful to go out and have fun, but uh, it, it, there, there's nothing wrong with them until we use them to make us happy or fulfilled. And don't, and don't consider helping others or stopping to be a good Samaritan ourselves. You know, I think another reason is that many people are living beyond their means, which means helping someone sometimes takes money they don't have or are not willing to part with. Um, if, they're, if, if they're aware of a need, they might feel bad for someone um, and are either unable or unwilling to help, unwilling to part with maybe some money they have that could, could help a neighbor or help a friend or, or someone they know. You know, that can, that, that can hinder people from helping, even in small ways. Uh, and it's interesting because, I, you know, I really think many people today want to be part of a cause, uh, especially young adults and college students. They want to be a part of a cause. They they want to be a part of making a difference in the world. And that's why, you know, that's why our Love Week is always so well attended and so many people want to be a part of it uh, because people want to be a part of helping others. Um you know, we, we just don't often do it on our own, or we won't do it on our own. 
but of course, together is always better. Nothing, nothing wrong with that, doing it together in projects. And that's why we also encourage our small groups to, to serve together or jump in to help each other when someone in the group has a need or is going through a life challenge. Often people want to do things together. Sometimes it's hard for whatever reason, to really say, I'm going to stop on my own and do this on my own. Those those are some of the reasons I've seen, and, and sometimes reasons I've had myself for not helping someone. As you were outlining that, uh, the, the word that came to mind was margin. We live our lives without margin. We have zero margin in our time. We have zero margin in our finances. And if we live marginless lives, it makes it very difficult to care for to care for others. So um, I've been challenged as I've listened to not only as you answered that question, but as I listened to your message, man, I've got to just create more gaps and more margin in my schedule and in my finances so that I can be, um, that I can be more caring to others. Well, anytime we think of the things we're supposed to be doing, often the reason we're not is because we say we're too busy or we don't have enough of this or that, right? It, we are overscheduled. We do not create the margin for time with God, for time with our families. And, of course, we could assess it and look at why, and we'd probably figure out we do have more time than we think. We do have the ability to be more mindful with our resources so that we could do more things to help others or, or to be faithful. But, yeah, those that's it. We, we tend to live on the edge most times, and people are stressed out and full of anxiety and, and uh, don't really leave time to be fulfilled helping others. That's good. Well, Pastor Ryan, I loved your line and your message um, when you said this. You said the greatest demonstration of how we love God is how we love others. Man, if it that is not convicting, right? So this really, really touched my heart. So especially in the climate that we live in today, this is extremely convicting. Can you take a moment and talk about the connection between our love for God and our love for others? I really want you to help us understand this a little bit. You know, that's, that's boy, that's a, a big question. But, you know, I think the Bible does a great job of addressing these things. Um, it's interesting that Galatians 5 actually speaks of what should come out of us when we're walking in the Spirit, which means when we're walking closely with Jesus, right? We're feeling His love, we're loving Him. When this happens, the Bible says good fruit comes out, right? Galatians 5 tells us good fruit comes out. Love, these sound familiar, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Most of those, if you look at them, most of those, as you can see, are what others will receive from you or should be seen come out of you. That's good. So it makes sense that if you're if you're really loving God and you're walking with God, people are going to be seeing and receiving love. They're going to be seeing and receiving kindness from you. And, and those that are close to you, and hopefully those that you're coming into contact with uh, as you go about your life, right? Those you see at the grocery store, those you bump into while you know you're sitting on the bench at the at the ball game, uh, moving uh, about as a Christian in our community, people should be seeing and hopefully experiencing. Uh, that same love that comes out of having a uh, a walking in the spirit life, you know that same chapter. If you look at it, uh, also says that if you're not walking closely with Jesus, in other words, living in the flesh, there will be let's call it unspiritual fruit. Uh, acts of the flesh is what Galatians five calls it. 
sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and the... I mean, it's it's quite a list uh, if you uh, just allow your flesh to to not go unchecked by walking closely with Jesus. You, you can see several of those are not very loving, right? If you're not, not walking closely with Jesus, you're not in the Word, you're not praying, you know, you're, you're not really full of God's love, this is what the Bible says can and does come out, right? And not, not, not a lot of real loving things. Um, and too often, I think that's what we see in the world, isn't it? I mean, we see hatred and jealousy and rage, and we see envy, we see dissension. And and if those things are predominantly evident in our lives, I think it means we're we're not walking closely with God. There's a direct correlation. Loving God should produce love toward others. It's it's kind of an oxymoron that we would love God and not love others. So we have to ask ourselves, mm. uh, what are we showing in our lives? And is it an indication of where we are in our relationship with God? That could just be a check for, for us doing this broadcast. Uh, this could be a check for those who are listening. If, this is, if, if, if I don't have the fruit of the Spirit coming out, there are probably not many people seeing God's love coming out of us. So the greatest demonstration of how we love God is how we love others. It should be coming out of us. It should be shining through. This is what Jesus is making evident through this Good Samaritan. He was showing what should be happening in our lives as we are walking closely with Jesus. Yeah. There's something you just said um, that's that's resonating. You said people should be experiencing this from us as Christians who love God. Um, people should be experiencing this. You know, Boston in 1976 released one of the greatest songs ever, More Than a Feeling. Right? <laughs> I love that song. Uh, listen, when we show compassion to others, it, it should be more than a feeling, right? Yeah. It, it, it can't be just this, oh, man, I feel really bad for that individual. Uh, it has to be more than a feeling. When you look at the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, which you just mentioned, those aren't feelings. Those are actions, and it has to go way beyond just feeling those things. So, yeah, thank you for highlighting that. Last question for today, if you don't mind. Pastor Ryan, I loved how you showed us that Jesus flipped the question around on the expert in the law. I mean, that's how the whole parable started. An expert in the law approached Jesus with a question. This guy asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And then, and then Jesus told this parallel. And then Jesus, after sharing the parable, changed the question. He said, which one of these individuals acted like a good neighbor? Not which one was the good neighbor. Which one, uh, which one of these individuals acted like the good neighbor? I feel like the expert in the law wanted to qualify his mercy and compassion. And so you pointed out that we often do the same thing today. Can you practically help us remove the qualifiers that may preventing us from showing love for others through it, through extravagant compassion? Can you can you walk us through your mindset when you see someone in need? And and the reason why I'm asking you personally is because I've been in ministry with you for quite a while, and 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 I know you would never say this publicly because you're you're a humble individual most of the time, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've witnessed you firsthand care for people. 
um, and you go way out of your way to help others. So can you walk us through kind of your mindset when you see someone in need? Well, first of all, thank you. Um, I'm human. I'm not Jesus. I, I, <laughs> I, definitely, uh, I definitely battle my own qualifiers at times. I mean, I really do. I have my own qualifiers that I have to fight. Also, I'll say this, in helping people, I've been burned before. And that that can be something to have to work through when I come across someone who might think needs a neighbor. I, I kind of walk through in my mind, wait a minute, I was burned last time. Maybe I'll keep walking or maybe I'll you know not take that phone call. I mean, I have to work through those. Um, the list um, of you, you might lack compassion if, right? In my message, I said you might lack compassion if. I compared it, you know, like, uh, right from the Jeff Foxworthy. You might be a redneck if, and uh, so this, you might lack mercy and list, uh, compassion list. If you remember it from the message, you, you judge them before we even talk to them, right? These are some of these qualifiers that we do. You immediately think of how busy you are. You consider how helping them isn't going to do any good. You always think, I'm, I'm going to be late if I help, right? We have to fight through these qualifiers. And these, these can pop up into all of our minds as, uh, as we try to, to justify our not helping, right? You know, this is, this is, I'm justified. I'm just going to keep moving. And sometimes maybe God's not calling you to help them, but many times I think he is. But this is where you, you have to see people with the eyes that Jesus sees them. You know, I often tell myself, this person was created by God. As these qualifiers are going through in my mind, I'm telling you what what is battling in my own mind. I'm saying, wait a minute, this person who may look different, act different, acts weird, whatever, this person was created by God. God loves this person, and so should I. And again, since I've been burned and cheated helping people in the past, I've come to, I, I've come to this perspective in my own mind, and that it's on them, and it's not on me. In other words, I may help someone tomorrow who is fully intending on cheating me, but that's on them. God's just calling me to be a light. God's calling me to do the right thing. I'm just going to do what I think Jesus expects me expects of me. He wants me to be a neighbor. So I may get burned 10 more times in my life being a good neighbor, but I'm willing to take that risk to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, two of my daughters drove by a homeless guy. Um, um, I was driving there. <laughs> two of them are not young. Yeah, I was going to say, they're to a little young to be driving. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah, my 10-year-old was behind the wheel. <laughs> no, two, I was with two of my daughters, and we drove by this homeless guy on the side of the road on 150 just a couple of months ago. And I got all the way home, and I thought, we've got to do something. So we grabbed one of our um, goodie bags that my daughter Sophie had put together because she has a heart to want to help. And so we grabbed one of them. We decided to drive back and go talk to him. And when we got to him, he said, well, he said he didn't want it. And and actually, it was kind of a difficult deal. He he hardly even acknowledged us. He barely even looked at us. And in my mind, in my heart, um, I just thought, you know what? That's not a wasted trip because I want to please God. And I'm sure God was pleased that we made an attempt. And I think it also set a good example for my kids. Now, he was smoking something that he had rolled himself as we walked up. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know if he was on drugs. I have no idea. Um, that was a qualifier in my mind, right? A qualifier in my mind was like, well, he's, he's probably doing drugs. It won't help to talk. I mean, these were all things going through my own mind. But I realized 
we had to try to be a good neighbor to him. It's not for me to determine what's going on in his life. I'm just supposed to do the right thing. You know, I had a another incident at an airport in Florida a few years ago with a man who was literally, he was sitting next to me, and I noticed he started vomiting on himself as we were waiting on the plane. Wow. Um, he was passing out and then waking up, and we had probably down to 10 minutes, and I thought, this guy is not going to make his plane. And so I had all kinds of qualifiers going off in my mind, right? Like, oh, man, well, you know, what's going on with this guy? I probably shouldn't help him. This could be really difficult. I mean, all the things going on, but I, I decided I at least can help him get on the plane. It seemed apparent he needed to get on the plane. And then when we got off the plane, I thought I'd found out where he was going. I thought this guy is never going to make his connecting flight. So I said, hey, do you want to get some lunch? I thought if I could try, I found out he was he was extremely intoxicated. Um. So I helped him to get some lunch. I thought if I can help him sober up, I helped him get on his connecting flight. He had told me while we were having lunch that he was actually heading to a rehab facility. Mm. And he had been talking on and off to his wife, but he was so nervous that he had got he had snuck some alcohol and he was getting himself intoxicated so he was brave enough to make the trip. Mm. And so He's a friend of mine to this day. He end up he called me later and told me about what had been going on in his life. He's now helping others back in Florida get their life on track. You know, it it it, it isn't always convenient. In fact, that was I had to race to make my connections, but I made sure that he got to his and I'm so I'm so pleased about what what's going on in my friend John's life. Mm-hmm. And I text him once in a while and he tells me what's happening as he's helping people still in Florida. But again, it isn't always convenient to do the right thing, to be a good Samaritan. But I think this is how Jesus wants us to be a good neighbor, how he wants each of us to be neighbors to other people. That's good. And I would argue, Ryan, that it's never convenient, right? When you when you see someone along the side of the road or you have a buddy call you who's in need, it's it's never at a convenient time. You're never sitting down and watching TV or reading something and say, man, I'm, I just sure hope somebody calls me and needs somebody, something right now. Cause I'm ready. Cause it's, it's no, you're never, you're never ready. It's never convenient. Yep. So thank you for that challenge. And, and I loved how you shared that story about Sophie, because you could use that as a teachable moment. And, and I really believe this about you. Sophie would have only had the desire to help that homeless man that you had seen along the side of the road. If she had seen it modeled previously. And you probably did that for her. So, Pastor Ryan, I think you were the right person to share this message and to unpack this parable for us. It was a really good message on Sunday. I was deeply convicted, and and I'm sure others were as well. So thank you for taking a few moments out of your busy schedule to have a conversation with us and the podcast listeners. And uh, we want to thank you so much for listening to Activate. Our prayer is that you have found this, uh, this conversation extremely helpful as you learn how to be more like Jesus, specifically in the area of showing compassion and mercy for those who are desperately in need. Remember, the greatest way we demonstrate our love for God is how we love others. Also, if this podcast has helped you in any way, would you take a couple minutes to rate and review us on whatever podcast player you're using? This really helps us get the word out about this incredible resource. And as always, if you ever have any questions that you would love 
to be answered on the podcast, send us an email to activate at takethejourney.cc, and we may be able to answer your question on an upcoming podcast. We look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.